Welcome to the Indie Prime podcast on IndieLive.radio. Very good day to you. And my special guest this week is John Schofield, who is the convener of Dumfries and Galloway English Scots for Yes. A very good day to you, John. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Really lovely to see you. And thanks so much for inviting me on the programme. I've been doing the Indie Prime podcast for a year and a half, and I've just realised you're the first English Scots for Yes representative I've actually spoken to. Really? Well, I think you need to badly re- you need to rectify that very much, uh, Raymond. I can give you a list of folk who are even better qualified than me to talk because they actually sound as if they come from England, unlike myself. So that's very, very powerful when you hear that. We have some very new members who are very recent refugees from England. And we have people who've been up for 30 years, but because they're slightly older than me, then when they came up, they still sound very English. So we've got the full spectrum and I would be delighted for you to speak to them. That's super. Thanks very much indeed, John. Give me some background on yourself then. When did you move up? Uh, Well, I came up, first of all, when I was temporarily, when I was three and a half. I hardly ever lived in England. I lived in Iraq, believe it or not, for two years. That was in the back in the days of the sixty when the you know the British Empire was still going a bit stronger and things were very calm. I came up permanently um, when I was five and a half, born in Lancashire. Both my parents were English. All my family for all generations was English, but my my dad moved up for a job, so I moved up to a small village in South Lancashire. We were the first sort of how can I say incomers coming to that village, so I found I had to. It, it was it was better for me to quickly adapt, shall we say. So I've been in, in Scotland ever since, uh, since age of five and a half, now married to uh, a lovely Scottish lady. So that's it. I made my life and my home and my education here, really. Yeah, yeah. Right. Dumfries and Galloway, English Scots for Yes. How did it come about and how did you get involved in the independence movement and what drove you to independence? For me, it was probably quite a long a long journey. Um, I've been certainly been involved interested in politics all my life. Um, many many years ago, I hate to say I was I was I was a liberal even before they became Lib Dems. Listen, that's nothing to be ashamed about because though I was never a member of any political party mm-hmm. until after the referendum, uh, I voted liberal, de- liberal, and then liberal Democrat all my life. So, my local SNP group, the majority of members are ex Lib Dem voters. Right, that's interesting. That's in- I mean, certainly I believed in federalism. I, I, I did. I did appreciate that London was very powerful, but I, I believed that the majority of Scots at that time would be happy staying in the UK if they got a much better deal and had had control. The same way as uh, you know, as Isle of Man and the Channel Islands. Um, unfortunately, the Scottish Parliament's not even the most powerful Parliament in the British Isles uh, because you know Channel Islands and. Isle of Man have got control over everything apart from foreign affairs and defence. And if they're really keen on keeping Scotland in the Union, that could be done overnight, you know, in my opinion. But yeah. they're not interested in that. And then I, 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 I became interested in the environment. So I stood for the Greens down here in 2005 in the general election, which was quite an eye-opener because the Greens were starting from scratch. And on my, on my who I was standing against was four other ex-MPs 
So really, I was thrust into you know into the cauldron there. But it was very interesting. It was good. I think I held my own. Struggling to remember who the candidates were, apart from Peter Duncan, ex-Tory MP, who's on Radio Scotland if there, but he was one of the candidates. Can't remember if he actually won. But anyway, that was back in 2005. Then uh, 2014, yeah, started listening to all, got quite, quite involved and came over to the Yes side just prior to 2014. Um, so I've been on board since then, joined the SNP as well. And it was suggested that down here in Dumfries and Galloway, we do have quite a lot of folk coming from down south, so it suggested that we start English Scots. So that, that it was really me that started it off down here, and we've got we've got a widespread group. We're, we're loosely organised, but we've got we've got about 150 folk on our contact email list, so we can pull up on a few activists now. We've got some very keen activists down here. So with the amount of uh, incomers from England who've either yeah. uh, moved to Scotland or just made home yeah. or retired to Scotland in particular in the borders, what sort of reaction do you have as English Scots for Yes? Scottish folk love it, particularly those on the Yes side love the fact that it's an English Scots movement who's saying that the lie that we hate the English, who's proven that it's a lie that we hate the English. So the the reaction from Scottish people is very good on that and it's certainly a message that needs to be put out there. English people campaigning for Scottish independence is an absolute vital thing to somehow get out there. English folk depends on how long they've been here or what the reasons they're coming for. You know, if they've just moved to get cheap housing because you can, you know, you can buy a lovely farm and acres of land for the price of a, half the price of a house in London up here, they're not so receptive. You know, you, you, you get English people threatening to say, well, if Scotland becomes independent, I'm going back down south. You know, they have that sort of thing. So, so it does, it does vary, I have to say. Yeah. There again, you can have some Scots saying that. <laughs> it depends where you get your, where you, where you, who you rely on for your news and politics, whether it's the Daily Telegraph or the National, you know. Yeah, because I've got a neighbour around the corner, and he he said at the time of the referendum, if, uh, if yeah. Scotland voted yes, he's moving to Berwick as well. Berwick used to be part of Scotland; it'll probably come and be returned. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, what I say to him now as well, yeah, just you can do that. Just make sure you stand at the side of the road because you'll be cru- you'll be. Cru- crushing the rush of people want to come into a, a Scotland that's in the EU, you know? Absolutely, so. because I'm a great believer that Scottish independence would actually be fantastic for the north of England, because I'm originally from Liverpool, and well, uh, I can see great benefits for the north of England well, if Scotland became yeah, well, independent. Totally, I mean, coming, from, coming originally from Lancashire, I, I couldn't understand why the north of England, you know, rejected some form of regional assemblies when they had the chance. And I hope now that with the COVID crisis and the strong showing from the local regional leaders down there, that they start to think about that because they're as much ignored by 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 London as we are. Yeah, you know, one of the, one of the very powerful. What's going to win the next independence referendum is probably still has a lot to do with economics, but people s- still have this problem down here of saying of, of believing what has Scotland got. When you tell them that Scotland's GDP per head is slightly higher than the English average, they don't believe you. And the reason it's slightly higher is because some of the regions of England are so badly served, they are so poor. You think of the southwest, you think of the north the northeast, you know, and, and, and they need local local control as much as anybody else. Yeah. So the the message that the brand, shall we say, of English Scots uh, is very powerful. How what more do you think that we could do? as a nationality, should we say, who's made Scotland home 
and believes in self-determination, what more do you think we could do? Well, we need to start getting ourselves organised across Scotland. At the moment, uh, 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 as far as I'm aware, Dumfries and Galloway is the only active English-Scots branch. We have a very active web page. We have active members down here. But we want to reach out across the south of Scotland uh, to, to get in contact with ES groups so we can provide people or we can provide materials for that. We have a whole heap of English Scots branded leaflets where we have people, English Scots on it are saying why they became English Scots. It's got English Scots branding and they they talk, they cover ever the important things that people are saying is important to them now. The NHS, what how would the NHS fear in a in a in a in UK or compared to an independent Scotland. So economics and Brexit, we cover all those things and we give them out in the So we feel they're very good and powerful, but we reach out to other yes groups out with that. But we we can't do the whole of Scotland ourselves. We need active groups. We need an active English Scots umbrella to, to reach out to the whole of Scotland. So areas of you know high incoming population can be reached by this way. We need English people in the media uh, through yourselves or whatever because we need that English voice being out being out there. Yeah. Because it's a it's a very strong argument, uh, as you say, regarding uh, that people will use yeah. wanting independence as being anti-English, and it couldn't be further from the truth. And it's, no, it's one of the persuading messages, one of the powerful persuading messages. So yeah. uh, certainly, I called um, myself for greater involvement to try and encourage. Um, English Scots who live wherever they live in Scotland, whether it be from the Mull of Galloway up to the yeah. um, Butt of Lewis or the north of the Shetlands, to join local yes groups uh, if they're yeah. inclined towards uh, SMP, come, go along and help SMP as well. But getting out on the door when we are able out on the no COVID experience, when we're able to go out and campaign properly, just go along and talk to people because. Uh, the English accent, in my experience of either uh, Yes Group stands or SMP stands, having an English accent is very powerful when you're talking to people and trying to convince them the case for self-determination. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we, we have a website and I would encourage anybody to sign up on that. It's, it's Maybe you can flash up on the screen. It's englishscotsforyes.scot. Scott is very important, and we promise to get back to folk and any yes groups out there want help. We've reached out, we've helped, we've been over to Kelso, which is not in our area, we've campaigned with the SNP there, we've been up to Air, we've campaigned with the SNP there, we've had requests from others. So certainly I think a, a hit group, or a roving band of English Scots would be very useful there that can take street stalls out, can go and help street stalls, can do even public meetings, come in, come in direct to and if the yes groups want want to buy our at cost leaflets to get the English message out there, we are able to supply them. So I think that's I think that's very important. But at the moment, we're really working pretty much isolation down here. Um, so as you know, we had a, a meeting of yes groups last week, and that's the sort of way we can sort sort, sort to reach out across Scotland. Yes, of course. We both attended the Zoom meeting of the Yes Group gathering, which uh, is currently in the organisation stage, and certainly an excellent way to to get the message out for all organisations involved. So, uh, what um, what hopes or plans do you see ahead for that group? 
Because what, yeah, what it was basically, just for listeners' benefit, what it's basically calling for is that the Yes movement needs some direction. And it, it's insofar as giving it direction. It, it does, doesn't it? And it's absolutely right. At the moment, we're not getting direction. What we don't want is too many chiefs and too many, I mean, we're going to have, hopefully, the Scottish Independence Convention, all these different people. But quite right for Yes groups to get together and organise. Um at the moment, the first thing we need is a South of Scotland-wide Yes umbrella. We haven't had yet any feedback from that meeting to get that going. But I think what they're doing is really important and it will certainly make communication to Yes groups much, much easier. Absolutely. Right. Um, so we're looking then, there should be a call ref for more centralised resources to get an English Scots for Yes out to every part of the UK. So that uh, really depends on um, uh, the English Scots for Yes national group to listen. So convener is, is Math Cam- Campbell Burgess. Now he's currently standing as a prospective candidate, as an MSP. So uh, do you think he would still have, the, if he's successful at getting to Holyrood, uh, would he still have the same capacity, do you think, to to run that? Or um, is it time for the organisation? I, I, I don't see how an MSP can have any time to run anything else. I hope he does get there, because that's, a, again, a great platform. And again, we should be encouraging any English speaking to an English sounding person to get involved, as you've said, not just in the local yes groups, but standing for councillors, standing for elections, going to community councils, all this is this is great. Um, no, I, I mean, I think what we're, what we're saying is at the moment, nationally, English Scots need to sort of just reinvigorise and get together. And if Math gets elected, which I really hope he does, then I think, yeah, we'll need to do some changes or get some new blood coming into the national executive just just so we can get it up to running. So at the moment, it just seems to have gone into slightly limbo. And I very much look forward to, you know, getting that back on board again and hearing from them, so yeah. to speak. And it's during this time of uh, not being able to campaign properly. That's a good, a good time to actually consider any changes yes, that I'm- need to be made. Totally, yeah, totally agree, yeah. Yeah. How are you satisfied with the way the polling is going over the last few months? Oh, well, the polling is quite, I mean, quite, quite unbelievable. That Yes Group meeting we're on, I think somebody said they were downhearted. I mean, my immediate reaction was to jump out of my seat and say, why on earth are you downhearted? This is, we're in absolutely unbelievable territory at the moment. And it's been... It's, it's it's interesting. It's been done really without too much campaigning. It's been done by just showing that we're making the decisions from it from Edinburgh. We're doing the best. What's best for Scotland? We're do we're not doing it for any other reasons than what's best for Scotland. We're not helping our mates out. We're not putting loads of money into companies that don't exist or, or companies that don't have ferries. We're just doing it for the best reason. I think that's really really powerful. There's, there's a strong message there to say you know. <laughs> well, we still need to campaign, but it's certainly a strong message. Yeah. Um, I was reading, I w- it, just, it just makes me laugh because I was reading about there's a certain councillor in Aberdeen, Tory councillor, who's in a bit of trouble. And it said that while he's been suspended, he's been off jet setting around Europe, going to all these independent countries. I mean, does he stop and think for a second that actually all these independent countries are run by inverted commas? Conservative nationalists or Labour nationalists, in a way, they're all nationalists because they're all running their own country, and that's the that's the bottom line for me. What independence is about? Whatever political party you come from, 
It's about making decisions in Edinburgh which are best suited to your country. So as far as the polls go, I think it's I, I, it's unbelievable. They were talking about New Zealand last night and used it. It's a world record that she got 49.5% of the vote. Well, at the moment, unless there's any disasters, the SNP are projected to do even better than that. It, it's, it's unheard of to, for a political party to be getting nearly 60% of the constituency vote. So I, my message to the yes movement is please stick together. You know, if there's one or two things that annoy you, please just keep it to yourself. I mean, I, I, I personally trust the leadership. I trust them to do what's best. And I certainly trust Nicola Sturgeon to be above board in everything she does. So be very, very careful about getting drawn into any other conspiracy series is, is my plea. Now's the time to stick together. In my limited knowledge of Scottish history, which not much was taught in Scottish schools, I have to say, I mean, one of the weaknesses of Scotland has been we've all it's always managed to fight against itself. It's always managed to have warring clans or warring factions. It's weakened itself. Whatever stage of history you want to look at, please don't make that mistake now. If you want to argue with folk, do it either in private or wait till after independence. Then you can tear strips out of each other as long as we've got independence, you yeah. know? Yeah, you've covered quite a few points that I was going to be coming on to as well, but I'll include that in a moment. It's because certainly in relation to New Zealand, it was interesting to see George Fawkes tweeting about the success of the Labour government in uh, New Zealand winning, winning such a fantastic result and having to be reminded, yes, but New Zealand is a, a, an independent country of a population uh, similar to Scotland. So uh, that is what you should be considering. Yeah, absolutely. There's less resources, much less resources, you know. Absolutely. When you look at the resources that Scotland has to offer, and it's it's, it's people actually understanding and believing that, because I think when you you were talking about health press conferences, that Nicola has obviously been trying to steer away from politics, but I think she's definitely been able to put a message across that Scotland doesn't control its finances. And that has been an important message that people have been tuning into and listening and understanding a lot clearer that, you you know, you can only be responsible for all the decisions that can be made for the betterment if you're in full control of all the levers of power and finances to achieve that. And it's, it's highlighted that I think for more and more people that, and this is probably a good reason why there's been a lot of people who voted no in 2014 have had this realisation. It's been gradual, but it's coming together that, hey, really, we don't have all the, the political and financial levers to do the best for Scots, but we could do as an independent country. Sometimes when they say Scotland needs to borrow more money, the SNP say that, I think, well, really what you should be saying is we need to control more taxes. But I wonder if they're saying we need to be have more borrowing power to try and refute the lie of jails. And they're just getting to people's heads that, well, Scotland doesn't have the borrowing powers, so how could it possibly have a £14 billion deficit when it, when it doesn't have those borrowing powers? You know, I always, I'm going to try this out in stalls and I'm going to say to folk, well, if you lived with your, your parents and they took 70% of your wages and gave you 30% back and kept on getting onto your back saying you're never going to be able to stand on your own two feet, you're never going to be able to live on your own, well, that's how Scotland is. Then your, your parents take out a credit card in your name, but they control it. They, they build a swimming pool in their back garden. Yes, you'll get some benefit for it, but you're expected to pay for that for the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the situation Scotland's in. Yeah. So many of the arguments from 2014 have, have ran out of steam for uh, retaining the union. 
and they're left with very little. What I have noticed is obviously since Douglas Ross has become leader, obviously there's been commands to get more active and, well, be more proactive on Twitter. So it's been interesting to see the the results of, of that because certainly I've taken more of an interest observing what the Conservatives and even Labour and Lib Dems are doing. And rather than come back to them with, a strictly written comment uh, I'm using the message of English Scots for yes in a more powerful way by anyone I reply to or anyone I do comment at every single occasion without fail I'm including a photograph for every reply and that photograph is my English Scots for yes poster from uh, that I took um, well I've taken at various places but the particular ones I like are one down in the uh, ones I took down in Dumfries at the march down there and it means that though you are actively corresponding and talking to people, and I do it in a respectful manner, you are at the same time putting out a message of English Scots for Yes. Now, I feel there would be a lot less angst on social media if people just treated everyone with respect, but use that opportunity and include a, fo- a positive photo or a positive message. One of the leaflets we use is the Business for Scotland one, which shows the resources of Scotland, you know, the, the and I think that's a very powerful one. I would encourage yes groups to use that. We've asked Business for Scotland uh, permission just for our group to be allowed to print that out and create our own, um, which, we, which we do very cheaply using online printers. We use instant print, which are very quick, very reasonable. I think 7,500 double-sided colour leaflets is about... 80 quid off the top, 60, 70, 80 quid. I can't quite remember. It's certainly £115 for 10,000 of those. That's um, good. I think it's very reasonable. And as I say, in our packs, we have seven or eight leaflets in a plastic pack, so it's weatherproof for activists getting out. But that one, I think, almost encompasses everything you need in a leaflet. So if yes groups can get their hands on that, then I think that's a, that's a, that's, that's a really good one to get out. Um, but as you said, certainly on social media, I would encourage everybody that's listening, please, to you to put the website in English Scots for yes. Scott, because that has on the front page six or eight stories of English folk with their pictures who've come who've who've, who've, who've charted their journey to yes, and that's great. And the more of those we can do, the better. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing I've asked to do, Raymond, and the national don't seem to take me up on it. I've offered. To, to pay for 10,000 English Scots leaflets to go out in one edition of the National. I'll pay for it. They just have to insert it like they do with the postcode. Again, I don't know if you have any contacts, but certainly one of the things we could do with English Scots is have maybe a special, ask them to do a special uh, one Saturday or whatever day, day of the National, an edition uh, focused on English Scots and other new Scots. I mean, there's new Scots for yes, well, let's not forget them, all our European um, colleagues who we desperately want to vote for independence and want them to stay in Europe. Why not try and do it that way? That that could get us very good publicity. Yeah, certainly pleased to help along on, on that route anyway, because uh, I, I do have some contacts. With, uh, oh, so <laughs> we used them last a few months ago to give some publicity to the developments that we've been doing during lockdown uh, with Indie Live Radio. So uh, very nice to see that getting printed so pleased to help in any way and that's what it should be about yes groups and organizations and voices for yes for you know speaking to speaking to each other and helping each other 
because we're, we're, yeah. all, we're all on the same route. Talking about routes, we're, we're now heading, uh, as far as SNP-wise, towards um, candidate selection and uh, also a, a up-and-coming online conference. How is your plans down in the Dumfries and Galloway on both fronts? As far as the candidate selection, yeah, that's ongoing at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm not getting too involved because, um, yeah, it's good for party democracy. It's great to see all these folk want to put themselves for election. But generally, I, 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 unless it's a very strong reason not to, I, I, I will give my back into the sitting MSPs just because they've been there, they've been doing their job, they've been working really hard, and they've got the profile. It's, it's certainly my experience from the Libs, the Lib Dems and the Greens. You want to build up support in any area. You want to try and reach out beyond your party. And to do that, you've got to have a presence in the area. You've got to be going along to things. You've certainly got to be, if you want to work for election, to be two or three years before the election, whatever it is for council, getting out there, getting your leaflets out, showing the population you care. Because people will vote for you irrespective of your party if you think you're a decent person, you're honest and you're doing the best for your community. So... In terms of candidate selection, unless you're a, you really think your MSP has been doing a really poor job or they've been treasuring money or whatever, which I very much doubt, then my inclination is to get behind the sitting MSP. So that's going on at the moment. It's online hustings. I'm sure they work very well because Zoom's such a fantastic thing. The conference, yeah, I'll be attending, but I haven't thought too much about it. <laughs> Still to decide myself whether... I'll back plan B. I'm still not sure if we should go for the gold standards. That's interesting discussions we can have. But that's where we are down here. We've got two very strong MSPs down here. We've got Joe McAlpin and MSP, and we've got Emma Harper, who I think have been, and obviously um, we've got um, other SNP MSPs for South of Scotland, but these two have been doing a, doing, a, doing a great job. Obviously, down here in the South of Scotland, we've got our problems. We've got, we've got Alistair Jack. We've got David Mundell. And we've got all of them in Dell. So the, the Tories are, are out here in strength. What's been interesting, we've, in the last two weeks, we've had two leaflets through the doors from the Tories. So they're using the postman to deliver these things. So they've started campaigning down here. Yeah, I haven't seen anything myself, but I've seen publicity of uh, of one or two uh, uh, Tory uh, papers going out. I was surprised, obviously, um, the news came out this week that... Uh, SNP councillor took a seat up at Ellen in Aberdeenshire, but I still couldn't, even though she gained 10, 10% to actually win the seat, I couldn't believe, uh, I think there was only about 25 votes in it, that so right. many still voted for Tories. I thought, how on earth can you vote Tory when you identify of what... Uh, on a, a UK-wide basis, the Tory party have been like. I thought, uh, you know, I just banged my head against the wall of uh, how people can um, consider them as an option, but obviously some people do. Even, you know, you can be slapped around the head and hit with a hammer, but you still vote for them. Yeah, no, you're right. And you see that down here with people who've come up and down south, they've got their political beliefs. It's very, very hard to change them from that in some cases. Um, which is why, like the earth, the earthquakes of Brexit and COVID, have been so fundamental in pushing the un, you know the weak SNP voters um, uh, uh, and or weak no voters into into supporting yes. The other thing that amazes me that looking at the polls is that nearly twenty percent of the yes voters have gone the other way, which is obviously one of our big folk we should be targeting come 
from Indiref 2 is those people who already voted yes once, but now decide it's maybe not the right option for them. And that's certainly one of the things we need to understand why that's happening. And hopefully um, Angus Robertson with his uh, polling is doing a great job there. Hopefully they can find out why. Yeah, because I think it was happening on a small percentage-wise anyway before uh, Brexit. But I think for Brexit, for some people, just have to acknowledge that they weren't supportive of the EU and, and hence they're quite happy uh, not supporting independence now. But at the end of the day, just like a lot of the arguments that uh, can come up from British nationalists in relation to Scotland's ability to be an independent country, at the end of the day, it's once we actually achieve independence or in that transition period uh, to ind- becoming an independent country, that is when we will elect a, a parliament that will then make decisions based on what we need so it's all very well for Westminster or uh, media down south turning around and says, oh, well, you, you're giving back your power to Brussels or you yeah. you wouldn't be able to run your own currency. We do need to lay out a, a, a route map because I think we can't just say we'll make these decisions after independence. We need to say where we're going, where we're heading for. Personally, I favour the after route because I think that would really bring Scotland together. Yeah. To be an, I think it would bring the fishermen on board. You'd be an independent coastal state like Norway, like Iceland. You have control of your fishing, control of your borders, control of your seas, but you're a member of a single market. Yep. Yes, you don't have democratic so much democratic input into the EU, but you're at a staging post. In five, ten years' time, you can decide if you want to go the full Monty and go into the EU. But for me, it's about bringing folk together after the vote. And, and and to me, the EFTA ticks all the boxes. I really hope the SNP behind the scenes is is uh, you know is putting out things there. I hope, and my big hope on first of January is that the EU and the EFTA come out and say, well, of course, Scotland can join. Here's what we need to do, and so on. I really hope that happens. Yeah, because EFTA have already said that uh, whereas Scotland wouldn't uh, wouldn't be suitable for joining EFTA, Scotland would be a perfect fit. Well, UK is suitable, but Scotland would be a perfect fit. Yes, absolutely, totally. What's your thoughts regarding any border? The border down here is a big issue. It really is, because folk go across the border. And I've had intelligent people saying to me, look, if Scotland goes independent, will I still be able to visit my relatives in, in England? You know, And it's like, well, I need to take my passport. And the awareness of the common travel area doesn't seem to be very high. You know, the fact that, Ireland's been in it since 1922, and you can travel. You, you need some form of ID. You, you have to, you can't get on a plane without ID, but you don't necessarily need a passport. But it is a big issue, and it's one the Tories play up. But I certainly think COVID has changed that. Personally, I don't know if anyone agrees with me. I think COVID's changed the perception of borders, and that border controls can be actually positive. We need to get the message that borders can actually create jobs, and that for the people of Ireland, the people of Gretna, there's loads of jobs involved and borders only control goods. They don't control so much people. You'll be able to freely travel over that border. But certainly another advantage of EFTA, I believe, uh, is that uh, EFTA members subject to EU approval can do their own trade deals. So if Scotland is in the single market, it could do its own trade deal with England subject to EU approval, which would hopefully, you know, um, get rid of a lot of these border complications. But after all, the USA-Canada border, that's a hard border, but 80% of Canada's trade goes over it. And apparently they have a really a fast passport check where you've already 
uh, you've got an electronic passport and you just drive through and, and it's in the sensor picks up the fact that you're a passport approved. So folk drive over that border every day to work. But it's explaining that down here. And obviously we'll have the scare stories. That will be the thing that you're saying you don't know what they're fighting on. Well, it's going to be scare stories. It's going to be stories about hard borders. It's going to be stories about currency. It's going to be stories about the economy. That's all they've got to go on, really. Grasping straws that they hope will uh, will sink him. The, 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 or the other one, of course, is pensions. Yeah, but again, that should be easy to counter. I mean, all these expats living in Spain and in France, you know, in Greece, they all get their pensions, absolutely no bother. Yeah. You know, we're not America. Apparently in America, you're not allowed to take your state pension outside of America. So I'm told, and my brother lives there, which seems very, very harsh. But that's not the UK, because all these... Tory voting expats wouldn't, wouldn't wouldn't have a penny to live on if that was the case. Absolutely, but then again, they're they're finding the the decisions that uh, they made in regarding to Brexit uh, quite unfortunate for them now because I've been reading lots of reports of people who've moved to the likes of Spain who voted for Brexit and are now having to come back home because they just can't afford to stay out there and they can't get registered yeah. as citizens there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, is your is your branch down there uh, getting putting forward any conference resolutions or supporting it, re- resolutions? It, it has put. It is going to put through three resolutions. Two of them are on cycling because we've got some branch members who are very keen on improving cycling, which which is absolutely. Uh, I'd love the SNP to seriously get on board with that because. For people at the bottom of the scale, cycling around somewhere, walking, you know, um, is really, really important. And it is very, it can be s- s- extremely scary cycling still on these roads. There's a lot of impatience out there from drivers, and a lot of drivers don't seem to appreciate. If you go close to a cyclist, how scary it is for the cyclist. They don't think, they hear this ton of metal coming up fast behind them. They don't know if that ton of metal is going to hit them or not. You know, it's respecting cyclists get that respect on the continent you know you look at you look at Holland's fantastic in Scotland they don't and for people's health for people's well-being their mental state you know for pollution in Glasgow cycling is one of the ways to go what always amazed me what I'm a, I, when I used to work as a teacher in my work you know all the teachers would drive to to work in their individual cars very few of them would walk it was the cleaners who, who cycled in all weathers because they didn't have cars, they didn't want to spend the money on the bus, so they cycled and used to tell me how they got splashed by cars, how they'd been forced off the road onto the pavement by cars. That's not right. If we want to be a, a society that cares for everybody, we look after the poorest, and that unfortunately means car drivers having a wee bit more patience and coping with the fact that 20, mile an hour, 20 miles an hour might seem slow in a car, but on a bike, bicycle, you're going at 20 miles an hour, you're going really fast. You know, Absolutely. You're on a bicycle, you'll get to your work on time. You'll know when you arrive at work because you don't get stuck in these silly tra- traffic jams. So a serious push towards cycling and giving space to to the most vulnerable road users is what we're what we're focusing on. So I hope the SNP takes that that's on board. Yeah, I've seen a couple of interesting uh, resolutions being put forward for uh, consideration. Um, the Aaron SMP one in relation to the reorganisation of the NEC, consideration right. that with over forty members on the committee, it's too top heavy and uh, that needs organised, uh, reorganised uh, for certain. 
Um, obviously, there's, there's one I saw today regarding the uh, Plan B and the, the, right. the, use, the use of the 2021 um, election as a plebiscite. And that would, uh, I believe, get a lot of traction. I think a lot of people are fed up getting being told, uh, no, you can't uh, have a have a referendum. And uh, they're fed up having to, you, you said you prefer the gold standard, but if you keep on saying no, that we have to have uh, redress that. What's your, what's your thoughts? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't had many thoughts about it, uh, Raymond. Uh, to be quite honest with you, um, I mean, I think... The current position of saying no is unsustainable. I mean, I hear the STUC starting to come on board. To me, it looks like the dam's breaking. I mean, what what's most important for me is that the UK has indicated it's not prepared. It's it's happy to ditch international law when it suits it. When that's very worrying. What we have to do to get into these things like FDEU, we have to show that we are doing everything we can to follow the rules and regulations and the law. So that, for me, it is, that is going for the gold standard. Then if that's keeping on refused, then that's when you, and only once you've tried that for a certain amount of time, then you start going to the courts, start going to the European Court of Human Rights, whatever it is. But we have to be shown, we can't have a Catalonia where we do win a referendum, but, but, but it's got to be seen to, to be supported by all parties, whether they agree with it, agree with it, Having one or not, it's got to be supported by all parties that, that it's fair and legal and it's going to be a f- fair result. So that is a problem we're in. But I do think that if there's a majority of of, of indie supporting MSPs in the Scottish Parliament, I, I don't think it's sustainable. And I think if if Westminster keeps saying no, you'll keep on pushing Scotland's civic society and if the STUC comes on board, you'll keep on supporting these moderate no-voters into the yes camp. Because what we're basically fighting on is democracy. And we've got such good democracy in Scotland compared to Westminster now, where you've got a proportional system in Parliament. You don't have a House of Lords. Um, you know, you don't have people in the Lords in government. You don't have a, a broadcaster whose chairman is a member or was a member of, of a certain political party. We're really going down. It's scary in America to see how quickly one man can subdivide all these years of constitutional checks and balances. And England is, is somewhat going down that route. And the more they do that, the more, then the more they push the moderate no voters towards yes, in my opinion. Yeah. In relation to elections, um, one thing that I did want to discuss with you, John, was the aspect of independence parties standing in the list seats, because obviously it's the Highlands and Islands and South yeah. of Scotland that has yeah. been indicated as areas of concern for uh, an alternative vote the, mm. instead of people voting SNP 1 and 2. What's your thoughts on that, please? Well, um, certainly we're in a different situation down here. My, my thoughts in the central belt is that I totally get... The SNP can't say vote SNP 1 and vote Green 2. The SNP can't say that's a political party. It has to say vote SNP 1 and 2. Um However, in the central belt, where you're going to get, it, it makes sense for SNP voters to vote SNP one, and possibly, if I'm allowed to say, it, as an SNP member, not vote SNP two, because what we want is lots of SNP MSPs, but we also want lots of indie supporting MSPs, and certainly what we personally, I, I, I want rid of some of these 
um, are Conservatives. So in the central belt, and you know, in places like Dundee, Edinburgh, it makes sense to do that. And it, down here in Highlands and Islands, down uh, down in the south of Scotland, um, we've got to be very much more careful about it. Um, our MSPs are all in the, all are all list MSPs. All the constituencies down here, believe it or not, I think are are conservative right across the south of Scotland. Um, so we have to see how the polls are going. Um, certainly, if if the polls are really good, then my personal opinion would be to vote SNP one, Green two. Um, I'm very much worried about the the ND vote splitting. Certainly. I, I would love to see more green MSPs as well in the Scottish Parliament. So I think that's you know pushing it towards the left, but pushing it towards the environment. And I think the SNP has been great in some aspects of environmental policy, and others such as roads and air, air, airports, it's not been so good. So that, that's where I would. Do. I personally, I'm going to be sticking with, with the established parties if if I do decide not to give both votes one and two to the SNP. But we're in a different situation down here. Folk have to appreciate that. You know, there is. We, there was even a very strong Brexit vote, believe it or not, in the European elections. It was 10,000 Brexit supporters in Dumfries and Galloway, as well as 10,000 Conservatives, you know. So you do have a substantial right-wing element down here. So that that's my personal feelings on it. No, because uh, I think what it is, is for many... Uh, the green is not an option. Uh, the, the, uh, voting for a green is not an option, and uh, lots of people find them um, independence light. And yesterday, I bumped into Ross Greer, mm. who's chairman of the Green Party, and we had a chat for about ten or fifteen minutes. And he basically said, "If you think we're just for in- we're for independence first, this is we're not. This is uh, the, the world. The world is on fire." that's more important to us than independence. And that would right. confirm why I've said right. on more than one occasion that uh, Greens are independence light. And right. uh, I question the fact of, uh, to Ross, regarding um, 22, uh, uh, 10, 22 Green candidates standing in the general election last December. It could have affected the, the number of SMP representatives that we sent to Westminster and he yeah. said, I don't care. The world's on fire. Right. So, I think you've, what you do then is check, check with your individual Green candidate and see how this is. Because yeah. obviously the Greens are the established party. And in my opinion, they've got a lot of good results but yeah I mean, that's that's interesting if you if you say that I haven't I haven't heard that before. no I mean, this is me and Ross talking yesterday and <laughs> I, he, he, he lives he, he lives around the corner so <laughs> All right, I'm concerned about I'm very much concerned about that if that's the case yeah well, I mean how do you how would you stop then if you're not voting green how would you ensure that the, the list vote isn't getting split then between the Smaller, different indie parties. Well, well, what I said to Ross was, uh, what is needed, and it's it's still not shown its um, its head, is a credible alternative from the Yes movement. Because though I believe very strongly in the SNP, even as a member, I don't agree with all the policies that they come up with. And just like the Green Party, I agree with some of their policies, but I don't. I agree more with SNP policies than I uh, disagree. Okay, so that makes me uh, that that gives me an easy route to uh, supporting a party that presents the most policies 
uh, and goals that I agree with. I feel there's a lot of expertise and a lot of voices that can be listened to uh, that can come up with ideas to run a respectable, equal, fair country in the future, then I wouldn't close my ears to those voices. At the same point, I would not close my ears to the the yes movement, to the independence desiring people of Scotland forming a credible party to back the SNP. I agree with the aspect of giving the first vote to the SNP, but I would like I would like to see a massive majority for yes because once we become independent, we are automatically going to have a maximum pro Scotland vote in Holyrood every election because that's the that those are the parties we are electing. So we might as well get used to rather than having a slim majority now. Let's go for a max majority now. Get used to it because we're going to have an even more maximum once we're independent because it'll be totally Scottish generated. Oh, absolutely. To- totally right. But but a credible list vote party needs to come along very quickly then. I mean, it's time is getting on the essence. And yeah, that's the problem. It I, is. We've talked about fracturing the vote, you know, Scotland fracturing itself. It can't do that. It's got to get behind... John, I completely agree and that's what I'm waiting for because I have not seen at this point in time a credible option occurring so we'll just have to keep our fingers uh, crossed on that Uh, Any other points that you'd like to discuss John before we wrap things up? No, I think we've done very well Raymond, it's amazing how long you can talk and I feel quite embarrassed giving my thoughts because I'm just one one small person and one small cog in this vast yes movement, you know. Listen John, um, we're all part of the conversation of independence, everyone's going to have different input and points of view as long as we can talk and discuss things and even if there's aspects that we don't agree with, we don't think we've found any today but... <laughs> You know, that is the important thing, is communication and trying to inspire others to either consider independence, self-determination, or to encourage and give a positive message out for independent supporters uh, throughout Scotland. Totally, totally. I agree. And you're you're very good at this interview, Malarkey, Raymond. Well, listen, if I can do it, anyone can do it, because I literally fell into it with with Indie Live Radio, so... Uh, that's me a year and a half now. I'm very pleased to have had the first chat with a fellow English Scots, English Scots for Yes member. So, John, it's been a pleasure meeting up with you. Thanks very much indeed for your contribution and uh, look forward to seeing great things out of uh, Dumfries and Galloway, English Scots for Yes and English Scots for Yes nationally. Thank you very much, Raymond. I very much agree. It's been lovely chatting to you. And yes, I'll, I'll, try, I'll try our very best down here in the south of Scotland to to get English Scots promoted. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, John. Indie Proud, Indie Proud, on Indie Library.